Hola, que tal amigos? Welcome to another episode of Academics on Amigos. I'm your host, Anthony Ramirez. We have a great episode today. This week I interviewed Richard Haneda, who is a candidate currently running for the District 5 City Representative position in El Paso. He is also the host of the El Paso Beat Podcast. I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's get started. What's up, everyone? How's it going? Welcome to another episode of Academics and Amigos. I am your host, Anthony Ramirez. And today I have Richard Genera, who is currently running for city representative of District 5 in El Paso. And he is also the host of the El Paso Beat podcast, again, found in El Paso. Richard, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great, sir. Thank you for having me on. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Um, I, it's a Sunday that we are recording, and again, we I, I pre-record these uh, episodes, and uh, I just saw a while ago that my favorite football team, and if they follow, if you all follow me on my private account, um, on my personal account, I'm I'm a Giants fan, so I'm happy my Giants won. Um, because they suck. They're a horrible football team, <laughs> horrible football team. Um, but I am happy to say that. So I, I'm in a good mood because of that. And I'm working on my dissertation and life's good. Can't complain, Richard. That's good. <laughs> you know, I know I went totally off topic with that, but no, 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 that's good. That's good. It's, it's <laughs> football season and it's, it's a yeah. sign of sign of things getting back into the, a normal feel, a normal rotation. Speaking of that, um, UTEP's doing they're in there. They, they did fairly well this season. They lost the a couple season. of games, but they lost. Uh, did they, did they win last night? I thought they, they lost, lost against San Antonio, which is yeah. a bummer. but, um, uh, I mean, San Antonio was undefeated. Yeah. That's a, that's a mean, hell of a hill to climb. So oh, you know. without a doubt, but, yeah. um, I'm proud that UTEP is finally, they made a bowl. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, that for, for us, El Paso wins that went to UTEP. I mean, it's a big deal. So we'll, we'll, yeah. take, we'll take it, you know, <laughs> Um, but, um, enough about sports. Um, I'm here to talk about you, Richard, and I'm excited to talk to you. And, um, I, I found your story to be really interesting. I had a chance to check out your website. I've, I've uh, I did a little bit of research upon, uh, you know, uh, getting ready to set up some questions for you for the interview today. And so I'm really excited to talk to you and I, I'm really interested in, um, like your, your, your trajectory that you're taking at this moment. And like, that's fascinating to me, but one of the things I did want to note too, and I'm very um, appreciative and thankful and grateful for is that you reached out to me about wanting to be on the podcast because you heard a past episode yeah. with Ivan Ortega and Mike Cortez. So um, mm-hmm. thank you for that. I appreciate that. And thanks for being a listener of the podcast, man. Oh, for sure, man. Um, and, and, and not, not just that one. I think actually the first one that I listened to was, was the one with Jerry. Oh, Jerry. Yeah. Jerry's my dude too. Yeah. And so I, I went to El Dorado with, with those guys. And so we were all in, in the marching band together and, and they're a couple of years, a year or two actually ahead of me. You guys are a little older than me, but, um, but I saw their, their episodes and I was like, Oh, that's cool. And so I, I checked it out and I, I like what you're doing, man. I like the, the guests that you bring on. It's really the, you know, you have a really interesting circle of people around you and it's really cool to, to listen to your perspectives and stuff. You know, um, 
I'm, I'm pretty lucky and blessed dude to know some pretty awesome people, you know, but I mean, if anybody ever asked me, I'm down, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I feel that. For sure. and, and you know what? This is some, like, I want people to know that this has been something in the making for all the while now, <laughs> uh, you know, we had been talking about like recording for a while, but it's on my end and I apologize for that. No, 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 don't, don't. It's a, uh, it's a, you're, you're busy. I mean, you're, you're a, you're a PhD student and, and you're, you know, working that, that in and of itself is this whole thing. I, I can't fault you for that. I mean, and, and as another podcast host, I can say firsthand that it's a ton of work and, you know, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to be honest. I'm super envious of your marketing work. You're, you're <laughs> like your posts, your Instagram posts, they're so clean and nice and pretty. And like, um, yeah, that's that's something that like I I suffer at. Um, I'm not good at making the graphics and stuff like that, and and being timely with my Instagram and Facebook posts and all that. Um, but like yours, your work, you do really you do really good work. And so finding time to do that, and then do the podcast and the editing and all that. And I know that that's in a problem in itself. And then you know your whole dissertation, like that. Nah, don't worry about it. We got we got to it. We're here. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, Richard. Thanks, man. Um, are you a one man podcast host too? Oh yeah, yeah. So like you do everything yourself. Every, I do everything myself, and you, as you can see, I'm in my bedroom closet, which is uh-huh. my podcast studio. It is the most insulated room in the insulated space in the house and so um yeah i i work in here i just have my laptop a you know 30 dollar microphone and and that's it i do my recording my editing my scheduling all me it's it, it's it's a beast it's it's, yeah, yeah. it's a multi-headed yeah. beast <laughs> to try to run a podcast by yourself um i've had some help before and shout out to my friend kyle for his uh, help that he helped provide um and so, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, it's, it's tough. It's tough, but it's a fun process. Like once. You yeah. Get, you know, oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, um, yeah. So let, let's get, let's get, let's get started. You know, um, I'm curious. So I want to know a little bit about your upbringing. Cause this is the first time you and I truly have met each other. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I'm interested in finding out about your upbringing, your educational background. You you, hint, you hinted a little bit because uh, that you went to school at El Dorado and, you know, mm-hmm. Ivan and Jerry and Mike. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, tell me a little bit about your educational background. And uh, you also recently graduated from UTEP, correct? I did. I did. So oh. I started out in the Northeast. Um, my, well, I was born in 92. So uh, I went to, let's see. Until until fifth grade, I went to private school. I I think I went to like a uh, preschool somewhere local. I'm not. I don't really quite remember. Um, but from like kindergarten to fifth grade, I went to private schools. Um, so there's this small private school called Vineyard Christian School. It's not there anymore. Um, kind of in the northeast area. Uh, went there for a few years, and then I went to Bethel Temple, uh, which is kind of in central. And then I don't think that school's there anymore. Um, mm-hmm. Did that till about fifth grade. My parents divorced and then I started going to public school. And for sixth grade, I went to H.E. Charles, mm. um, which is in the Northeast. Right. And then uh, that's when I was living with my mom. And then I started living with my dad. And first after, after that year of school, so for seventh grade and eighth grade, I went to um, Cordova, which is oh, yeah. central, which is in, which is no longer there. Um, yeah. And then my dad, uh, my eighth grade year, my, my dad passed away. Right. And so I went back to living with my mom and 
we went from living in central to she, she wanted to move closer to her family. Mm -hmm. So we moved to the East side and, uh, I have, I have several cousins that are around my same age and they were all going to Hank's, Mm -hmm. um, like they, they, they lived in Hank's area. And so we were outside of Hank's area, like just by a little bit. Um, but we thought, you know, my mom was like trying to appease me because at this point, you know, I'm, Freshman in high school, my dad has passed away within the last couple of years, and I'm like starting my whole new a whole new life. Like I'm leaving all my friends and everything, and having to start high school fresh. And so, like you know, she met me halfway, and she was like, "Okay, like I'll try to get you into Hanks so that like you can go with your cousins, and then you're not alone, and like you know you have someone." Well, Hanks didn't have that; they weren't they weren't into that, and so um, and so I ended up going to El Dorado. And it worked out. I, I, I ended up being, I'm actually very happy that I, that I went to El Dorado. Um, I went my full four years. Um, I was a band geek the whole time. I was actually, I was in band from fifth grade. I, I played clarinet from fifth grade all the way through, through high school. Um, did a little bit of piano and, um, and yeah, that like band was, band was my high school life. Yeah. Um, and so after, uh, after I graduated high school, I graduated class of 2010. Uh, I had no idea what I wanted to do, but my mother insisted that I go to college. And so I was kind of like delaying and delaying and delaying and, and really close to the beginning of the, the first school year after I had graduated, um, a recruiter from DeVry reached out to me. Mm-hmm. And because I had been taking computer science at, at El Dorado and he spoke there and I gave him my name or whatever. And so he reached out and he was like, hey, we'll give you a scholarship if you, if you come to DeVry and I had nothing really going for me anywhere else. And I was like, okay, fine. And that ended up being a mistake. Um, that was, that was a mistake, but live and learn. I, I did DeVry for a couple of years, um, computer programming. Um, I have a, a mind for it. I think I, I was decent at it, but, um, I didn't have a passion for it. It was just kind of like, I, I didn't see myself doing it for a career. So uh, after a couple of years, I dropped out and uh, just focused on working to help support the house and ended up in around 2014, I ended up at um, Wells Fargo and started working there uh, as a day job, as a, as a teller. And once all my bills were being taken care of, I was like, okay, I can like think about things and think about what I want and, and start planning out my life. And the only thing I could that I knew for certain because I still wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Um, the one thing I knew was that some of the, the people I, I looked up to the most who had the most positive impact on me were my, my teachers, especially my high school teachers who were there for me at that really important time in my life. Mm-hmm. And I kind of worked it up in my head that I have this like cosmic debt to pay that I need to be in a classroom and be the kind of teacher who's there for their student the way that I had teachers there for me. Um, because like, who knows where I'd be today if it wasn't for a handful of those teachers, you know? And I figured, okay, well, I, I don't really know what I want to do for my whole life, but I do want to kind of pay off this debt and like give back, you know? And so 
So I decided, okay, I'm going to become a teacher. And I decided on English, English education, because uh, English was one of my easiest classes. And I, I figured if I'm going to be a teacher, it needs to be something that I don't have to like struggle to put together lessons in. Um, I'm not going to teach math. I'm not going to teach biology. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, that's not my thing. And so I figured, okay, well, with English, you can, you can really work in life lessons into literature and like whatever, you know, you're, you're talking about. And so it's, that just seemed like the most natural fit for me. So 2014, I, I start going to school part-time, you know, I balanced it with my work schedule. Cause I was still like, well, at this point I'm, I'm, oh no, no, I'm, I'm still helping support the household. So, you know, supporting the house, going to school part-time working and, um, just chugging along, did that for, for a good few years after about 2016, I started losing patience. So I started doing working full-time and going to school full-time, um, so that I could finish up the degree faster Fast forward to 2020, and I get, I start getting into into politics. Around 2018, I start getting into politics. Around 2020, I get into local politics, and um, start supporting. Uh, I supported Veronica Carvajal, who mm-hmm. ran for mayor, and her campaign got 20. I want to say 24, 25, something like that. A rather, rather low turnout. Um, in the overall vote between her and the other two main contenders for, for mayor for 2020. And I was talking with a friend who was, who was also um, in the political sphere. And I was like, what happened? Like she had all this energy and there's all these people and we were all excited and, you know, we're going to make things change and blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, you look at the total engagement, total turnout numbers for El Paso, even 2020 had like the most turnout that we've had ever. Um, our engagement numbers are terrible. Like our voter turnout numbers are terrible, especially with like off-year elections and, and, other, and other times like that. The fact of the matter is that people aren't engaged. People aren't aware about what's going on politically. Now, 2020, you get kind of a pass because we were in the middle of a pandemic. It was particularly hard for these candidates to to get their name out, you know, especially if when you're competing against two money powerhouses. I mean, they had donors and their own and their own um war chest and so like if you don't already have the money to swing against that like you're gonna have a tough time and i'm learning that lesson firsthand too um so you know it's it's tough but the problem is is that people aren't engaged and so i thought okay people aren't engaged you know i'm gonna start uh i'm gonna start a podcast and it's gonna be local politics because i'm gonna make it fun i'm gonna do like the daily show kind of for um for el paso politics and I don't think I'm that, well, I, sometimes I think I'm that funny, but, you know, I was thinking this out and I was like, okay, well, like, I don't know if I'm that clever or that smart, but maybe if I'm doing it, someone else will see it and be like, well, I can do it better and then make money on it if I'm doing it better than he is. And so like, that will like get the ball rolling. Cause that's really what, what the issue is, is that there's no one in the space. And so it's like, well, the first, the moment I start acting like I'm the best. Someone else should come around and be like, no, I can do it better. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I want because I want to like stimulate that, that area, that, that growth there. So that's what I set out to do in, at the beginning of 2021. Um, and, and we'll, and I'm going to circle this to my education because uh, at that, at that point I was still almost done. Well, I was almost done with school at the, at the B uh, in 2020, I had maybe a year and a half left of my schooling left and I was going to have my uh, major in English, minor in secondary education. 
And so 2021 is going, I start working on this podcast. I start covering local politics and I get more and more frustrated with what I'm seeing and okay. particularly with my, my own city representative. Mm-hmm. And so um, I said, okay, well, I, I'm, I have to do it. I have to, I have to run against her because with the issues that I feel that uh, are facing the city and the district, um, I can't in good conscience go into a classroom and be like, we've, we've done everything we need to, to make sure that your future is like in your hands. Like you can do this. You can go out there and do whatever you want. No. Oh my gosh. No, the world today that we're setting up for our future generation is so stacked against them. And yeah, it's not all our generation's fault. You know, there are the generations before us who have um, mismanaged and not invested in our community. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that, po- that problem compounds. But we're at the age where it's like, we can do something about it. And if you can do something about it, then you should do something about it. And, and that nod at me. Um, so I was like, okay, well, it's terrifying, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to run. I'm going to give it my best shot because I think if anything, we're at a point in time where people are paying the most attention, um, to politics as a whole, as we ever have. Mm -hmm. And if we're ever going to have someone like me totally change how we think about local politics, politics in general, it's going to be now. It's going to be when so many people are paying attention, when so many people are fed up with the status quo. And in order to commit to it, I said, I can't go to school, work two jobs, host a podcast, and run a campaign. Right. I can't do it. So I made a decision to switch my majors. My major, um, I switched from English to multidisciplinary studies. And it happened that over the years with all the courses I've taken, I had enough credits to walk out with my bachelor's like on the spot as soon as I switched. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have my um, teaching certification, which was what I was working on currently at that point. Uh, so now I would have to go through the state to get state certification and then I can and I can still teach, which is which is the ultimate goal. And, and I was kind of like, beating myself up because it was like, after all this time, after all these years, I don't have an English degree. Like I know it's kind of pompous, but I, I like kind of worked it itself up. You know, I've been for many years, I've been, I'm an English major. It was, it was a point of pride for me. And, and at the end of it, it's like, Oh, uh, I have a multidisciplinary studies degree. And it doesn't sound as like, you know, pretentious or, or esteemed and, and, at least, you know, because I was going into education, like I'm an English teacher, I have an English degree, you know, it goes, you know, and it's, it's really just words on a piece of paper. The piece of paper is still going to let me teach, which was the ultimate goal. That's what I, what I'm doing it for. You know, it, it's, it's for my, for my kids, for my students. And so, um, so yeah, I, I, I don't intend to lose. I intend to, to win my election and, during that time, during the time of my service or the year after, because after you win an election, you can't, uh, you can't work for the state unless it's like another elected office or something like that. And so like, I think in that year that I have to take, I'll get my certification during that time and then I'll go teach. Very nice. So, uh, yeah. And I, 
people ask me if I'll go back to school. I don't, I don't want to. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very much ready to be at the front of the classroom uh, versus being in the, in the student's seat, at least for a little while. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to dish out the homework before, before having to do any more. Um, but yeah, that's speaking somebody that's, who is speaking as somebody who has said those words. I mean, <laughs> I, again, I never thought I was going to get a master's. I never thought I was going to get a PhD and lo and behold, uh, yeah, I'm here. You so know. you never know where life takes you, you know, that's true. Um, that's true. But, um, that's, but yeah, that's my, uh, that's my whole path to my education. Um, and, and I did, and that decision came last, um, well, I, I guess we're still in 21. This, this, this summer, 2021, um, was when I decided to, commit fully to to the campaign and and switched my major and and got my degree and so um i had actually taken a couple of courses uh in the spring semester that like totally totally unnecessary turned out being and it was just like oh if i had done this a couple weeks ago i could have been even even less stressed but live and learn there there it is but yeah it happens it's all good (laughs) You know, any education is good education. That's what yeah, I like. That's, that's and true. so, um, what like now that you're in the campaign mode, what mm-hmm. have you learned from being in the campaign? Like, what are some things that you've learned, <sighs> encountered? I guess people don't like politics. Can you believe that? <laughs> I mean, um, tough, right? there's there's a as as soon as um, as soon as you start mentioning that like you're into politics or like. You know, when I've when I've tried to coax people to coming on to the show mm-hmm. or to let me come on to their show, and then I mention, you know, that I'm running for office or or um that I'm really kind of politically tied at this point, mm-hmm. um, this 10-foot pole just comes out of nowhere and they're like, Oh, I don't I don't get it. I don't like politics, I don't get into politics. And it's like, okay, like I I get that because like I've said, like politics is is super divisive right now. Everyone's right. paying attention, and it's stressful, and and people don't want to put up with that extra stress. I posit that that extra stress is kind of part of being an adult. Uh, that comes with the adulting package that you know we all are forced to participate with, and I I don't want to sound dramatic, but we are where we're at with the divisiveness and with the kind of precipice that we find ourselves with all these issues because so many people have put it off for so long because we've said, oh, I don't, I don't really care about politics. I don't really like politics. I don't, I don't pay attention to it. This is what we get. Yeah. Like these, a lot of these issues that we face, a lot of the, the, the rights that are being stripped away from people, um, the frustrations that we feel, the mismanagement, you know, you're like, oh, the taxes keep going up. And it's like, well, how, how many city council meetings do you, do you go to? You know, how many, how many times have you reached out to your city representative about a certain issue? And there's um, that, that kind of perspective of like, well, how much have you done to put a, a to solve these issues, you know, like on that, that individual responsibility. I think that that came from my father. My father was, a was in the military mm. and, you know, I was, I was old enough, you know, before he had passed that his very firm military training type uh, upbringing. And uh, it was, you know, very disciplined. And so, and, and a lot of, you know, personal responsibility and, and, and so, yeah, that, that was, that's kind of what, 
motivated me to run. But then I, I look at all, I, I look out to people and I'm like, well, why don't you feel that way? Why don't, why aren't we all like on the same page about this? And, and that's something that I'm learning, um, from the podcast and more from the campaign, uh, that on a whole, what we feel that like everyone is like stressed out on, on politics. It's like, I know we don't like it, but we have to, we have to pay attention. We have to get, mm-hmm. get more engaged. Um, and how do you think we can create more engagement or reframe people's minds into, into like maybe being more interested in these political matters? I don't know if I have the exact answer to it. I think that the El Paso beat is a good experiment with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we need to make things more accessible mm-hmm. and, and, and as far as accessibility, not only, you know, making it easy for people to listen to, to watch, to pay attention to, but kind of like cutting through um, legalese and technical speak. Mm-hmm. And um, there's, there is one, I forget who, I forget who exactly said it. Well, I'm ripping off here, but you know, they said the thing about, um, you know, when you watch news media is that it, it all sounds very educated and, and, and structured. And, you know, there, there's just a certain a group of people who just don't click with that. Right. You know, it's too, it's too formal. It's too school. It's too structured. And, and as soon as they hear that, they just turn off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, when you, when you go into education, you know, you learn about students who have different learning styles and, and yeah. the different ways that you have to shape your lesson plans to cater to these students, different learning styles. We don't cater our, our local government or government in general to our people. Mm-hmm. Like we don't cater how we engage with people or our, our representatives aren't catering how they engage with people. And, you know, you have this just like, this is the way it is. And this is the way it's always been. And this is the way it's always going to be. Right. And, and more and more people are being frustrated by that status quo and the fact that nothing is like being fixed or changed. And so you, the answer is the answer to your question is you need someone in the spot who is doing the work to, try different things and make people engaged with, with what's going on. Um, you know, like personally, I want to have, uh, I for, Oh, her name's, uh, Winnie Cummings. She has her own podcast. Oh yeah. Uh, she's yes, a stand-up yes. comedian. Mm-hmm. And she has this thing where you can, where you can, um, text her. Like she has a, a specific phone number. I don't know if it's an app or program or whatever, but you, you get text messages from her, like, you know, um, like directly from her. And it's not, it's kind of like tweeting. I mean, it's essentially the same thing, but instead of going through Twitter, like it's just, you know, a direct mess, a direct text message from her. And I thought, okay, so like a city representative could theoretically have this account and like the older people who don't necessarily know Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, but are savvy enough to send a text message, mm-hmm. send this text message. And then all of a sudden it's like, Hey, all your like, city relevant info is coming to you in the form of a text message. You know, that's a little more, um, that will cover a lot more ground than Mm -hmm. say paper mail. And Mm -hmm. it's a lot cheaper. Um, But you have to understand that like, okay, like there are still, like I talk to a lot of people who like, 
they're not on the internet at all. They're, you know, I have a lot of older constituents in, in my area and they don't, they're not on Facebook. They're not on Instagram. They're not, you know, getting their news that way. And I say, okay, well, you know, if we found a way to do it like cost affordably, would you want some sort of, like, do you want a physical newsletter? Like, would you think you would actually read it and, and like be informed by it? And I get a lot of like requests for, or a lot of good feedback on that. Like people mm -hmm. want, people want to see you trying different ways to get to them. The problem is, is that takes time and work and money. Yes. And if you don't have someone who's in it for the right reasons, who's going to put in all that time, work and money, you're not going to get it. And, and the problem just keeps getting worse. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's interesting. And I think um, I've seen a lot of people use that technology that you just mentioned too. Mm -hmm. um, and I've seen it like with celebrities a lot. Like, mm -hmm. like um, yeah, I think it's, it's good for like, you know, fan base maintaining and yeah. like, you know, building that connection. And there's this, there's this huge wall I feel between, um, you know, government elected officials and the people they serve. Right. And that wall really shouldn't be there. Now I understand that I can't like call up Biden and be like, yo, what the fuck, dude? Like it's not going to happen. One, like it's, it's just not going to happen. But your city representative in my mind is like step one that's the very first elected official your basic person like at the very least you should be able to get a hold of them you know within a couple of weeks like without without much effort and we don't even have that on so many levels and 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 so um i kind of don't realize how how i started on that that tension i'm sorry but like the good. point being is is you know, I want to to replace that first step and really start rebuilding that trust because you know that it's the way it should be. Right. Yeah. That's that's yeah. Um, it's uh, it's difficult. Like, um, it's difficult, and that's something that I've talked about with some of my fellow colleagues here who are interested in politics, and mm -hmm. we've talked about how it's interesting how whenever there's a new form of media mm -hmm. um, that they, that politics when done correctly um, use this new form of media and it helps them out. You know what I mean? Let's say with uh, JFK, when, you know, he first appeared on television, that really helped his image. Um, and now using people who uh, politics, who use social media, that's helped them a lot, like tremendously, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I think that you're on the right track with using like, new media to you know attract people in new ways in innovative ways and i think that's really cool speaking as a communication major uh you know uh, and i think that's really interesting so i'm interested in seeing how everything turns out and i wish you the best with uh your your um political campaign and run because that's i mean i've had family members run for office before and oh, really um yeah i'm not gonna name drop or anything like that but i'll leave it at that um um because if i name drop things will happen and i don't want things to happen so um uh it's not a bad thing uh well, it, it depends on who you ask but whatever um anyways um the point is i might edit this out um <laughs> what ends up happening is that uh it's it's tough it really is tough um to to run for office and just to any leadership position is difficult um and so the fact that you're trying to you know, do something that is kind of, uh, 
different, especially for people our age. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of people our age don't really step out of our comfort zones and the way that you're about the, uh, that you're going about it at this moment. And it's like, one, I commend you for that. That's, that's <laughs> Thank admirable you. As, as hell. That's incredibly admirable. And then, uh, and two, it just, I mean, that's amazing, you know, um, that you're, you've been inspired to want to change the game, you know, because like you said, politics is crazy. It is, you know, um, yeah. I, I try, I mean, I'm so busy with my other stuff that I don't follow it as much as I should. Yeah. And plus it just, it's overwhelming, you know, it, it's like, it's easy to get anxiety with, with the politics, you know? So mm-hmm. again, I commend you for this <laughs> and uh, I tip my hat to you. Uh, I'm you. not wearing a hat, but I tip it. Um, but I mean, that's, that's wonderful that you're doing all this stuff Richard. Like no joke. That's, that's cool, man. Nice. Um, I mean, shoot, that's great. I'm like, wow, you know, I'm blown away by it. It's really interesting. Um, let's, let's talk about your podcast a little bit more because you've okay. read it a little bit. Um, so from one podcaster to another, um, I mean, you you dropped hints about what your podcast is about. So mm-hmm. again, give us a little bit more context about your podcast and um, who are some people that you had a chance to interview? Oh, yeah. Um, so like I said, I wanted to do, uh, you know, kind of like a, well, I have a lot of influences because mm-hmm. I'll, I'll name who I watched, like when I'm what I what I consume. So, like, I love um, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Oh, he's great! The HBO show. I love that stuff. Um, one of the other one of the other people I watch, Chris Hayes, uh, who's an NBC MSNBC host. Uh, he refers to John as um, what is what is it? I guess news news for normies or something like that. The 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 things that John covers are really dense, nuanced topics. And within half an hour, like he makes you feel like, okay, like I'm not an expert, but I'm so much more informed about whatever this topic is. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's there's quips and he's funny and self-deprecating. And it's like, I like that. I like so I love self-deprecation humor. It's one of the things that I'm told that I really shouldn't hold on to as a as a public figure, but um we'll call that one of my one of my bad habits. Like that's that's something that I love. And so, you know, that kind of humor, I I I do use it on 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 the podcast. Um Chris Hayes is is a journal journalist <clears throat> reporter um, person on MSNBC. He also has a personal podcast, uh, "Why Is This Happening," where he in- mm-hmm. interviews various different guests. And so, I listen to both his, his regular show and and his podcast as podcasts. And um, I I haven't quite reached that level of interviewing skill yet, but you know, especially for his podcasts. Um, you know, and his, and his work, it's kind of what I'm, what I study, what I watch and what I try to emulate. And I try to like, okay, these are the questions he's asking. These are how he's leading. And, and I'm getting better at, at seeing like, okay, like you can see this guest, like going this direction, he's trying to lead them this way with this question. And so I'm not a journalist. I, I didn't go to journalism school. There's a reason that there's a journalism school and, yeah. you know, and like, you know, communication majors have like their own full field of study. Like I'm not a, I, I studied education. Like I can, and, and that's another thing too, is that like, I try to implement, you know, okay, how would I teach a class? Like, how am I like passing on this knowledge to students? And, and I try to bring that into the podcast as well. And so keeping all of that in mind, my, my main focus my main focus is uh, City Hall right now, El Paso's City Hall, which is, you know, we watch or I watch every city council meeting, every work session, 
and I report on the things that come out that, that stick out to me. Um, it's not super, super structured. You know, it's very off the cuff. I'm trying to get more structured mm. because I've gotten the feedback that, you know, more people would be into it if it had a little more structure. Um, I wanted to find that kind of niche because the thing about the thing I felt people liked about podcasts was how unstructured it felt. It got away from that structured feel of corporate media. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to, I I'm still finding that balance. It's a constant, it's a constant work. Um, finding that balance between very casual conversation and, you know, but like we're hitting these, we're hitting these notes and, you know, we're being factual and we're, we're being honest. Um, but you know, it's, it's the way you consume it is a lot easier. It's not so heavy, not so dense. Um, and I think the, the conversational feel to it, uh, helps build trust, you know, yeah, yeah. as far as like, you know, okay, what, I'm, what, what we're talking about, you know, um, any, any opinions that come up, like, it's not just like some crazy guy off, you know, it, it takes time to, to, to build that up. Um, and again, it just sounds and feels different from what is out there, the way people consume their news regularly. It's much less condescending because it's like, I'm so smart and I'm going to tell you how it is. It's like, nah, this like, you know, I, I'll, I'll say it. If there's something out there, I'm like, this is bullshit. Like I, you know, I can't believe that they're doing this. And it's like, that's El Paso. People in El Paso talk like that. They feel like that. And if you speak to them like that and you just, you know, just point the direction into whatever topic you'd be surprised at like what you can get people into. Mm -hmm. And so um, I've managed to have city representatives on a number of them on, let's see, um, two, one, two, three, four, four of them now. So half of our city council, um, a few of them multiple times. I, I just had our district threes uh, rep Cassandra Hernandez on for the third time. And she's good at coming on when it comes to really uh, controversial topics. Recently, her most recent episode, we talked about um, some, a, a item that was brought up and struck down and or deleted off a, off a city council meeting to get an estimate for how much an arena was gonna cost, the arena downtown. Right. And, uh, and so there was some back and forth and blah, blah, blah. And so this was the first time that I covered the meeting in one episode and then you know said okay i'm gonna try and get one of these city reps to like come on into the next episode and talk about it and i managed to get a couple of city representatives like into the idea and so like you know we're i have i've already had the one i'm gonna have the other pretty soon um when i started the podcast it was going to be much i wanted the scope to be much bigger i wanted to cover el paso politics as a whole so not just the city politics but the county and the state mm -hmm. you know like we said, it's, it's a hell of a thing to run, run a podcast on its own. And so I've kind of found this comfort zone, just watching the city council meetings and, and, and recapping those and, and floating in that area. Um, but I, I did want to also branch out. So I've actually managed, you know, just by sending constant emails. Um, I've interviewed a couple of statewide candidates. I've had uh, Lee Merritt, which is probably one of my biggest, my biggest names right now. He's a a lawyer who's working on the Ahmad Aubrey case. Mm -hmm. He also worked on the George Floyd case and mm -hmm. he's running for Texas state attorney general. Oh, wow. And uh, he's also joined by Joe Jaworski. Who's also um, a former mayor of Galveston. Who's also running for state attorney general. And um, 
Mike Collier, who's running for lieutenant governor. And uh, yeah, so I've had had all three of them on. Uh, I oh, I covered the local school board races, and so I had a number of people who were running for school board on as guests. And um, another one of my influences is Ari Melber, and he has a show called The Beat mm-hmm. on on MSNBC, and he he manages to get a lot of like pop culture guests and you know, his, his questions are always pretty, pretty good too. And and he finds a nice little balance between pop culture and politics. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was a band geek in high school and I, you know, I was in a couple of rock bands when I got out of high school. And so um, I, I wanted to incorporate, you know, pop culture or, you know, music, art, you know, whatever I could, as long as it was El Paso Tide and that would help, draw people to the podcast, keep them engaged. And then, you know, like add that extra layer to keep people on the show and paying attention and again, like engaged with the politics. Uh, so I've had a, I've had a few different, few different things. I had a, a local movie director. Uh, I had my, my friend Enrique Ponce who did the music for the show. He's also a video game and film, um, composer, music composer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talked and that, that, that one was really cool because we talked about AI getting into into music composing and different things like that. So that was a pretty, pretty interesting conversation. Um, let's see who else have I had none. Oh, I, I, I had a friend, Ryan, who's uh, another musician. He's a he was on uh, La Voz, which is like the voice Mexico version. Oh, yeah. La Voz. Yeah. Yeah. La Voz. La Voz. Yeah. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's and so I kind of dabbled and and like you, like I've I've said it on the sh- on my show. Uh, if anyone wants to come on to the show, you can just hit me up, and I'm pretty much as long as you're El Paso tied, as long as there's like a significant, reasonable El Paso tie there, like I'm I'm pretty much down for anything. And I actually had uh, an author reach out to me the other day, and uh, he's El Paso based. I don't I don't I haven't like looked too too into him. I don't think his like books take place in El Paso. I think he lives in El Paso and, and, you know, he does, he writes and he does a lot of charity work. And so like, I'm excited to talk to him about that. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I have an open door for pretty much anyone as long as it's El Paso tied. I had this idea to do, um, ads, like cut my own ads for like El Paso businesses and places that aren't necessarily paying me or asking for the, the coverage. It's more just like places that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really do that one because I've found that I don't want to just do the extra work of recording anything else and editing something else when it's not absolutely necessary for the episode. And then, um, and two, well, now, especially with the campaign, like that would make things complicated. Yeah. So it's easier, you know, um, oh, and another podcast I listened to, Andrew Yang's podcast, Yang Speaks. You know, he when he was running for mayor, he was running his podcast, but he couldn't talk about his mayoral campaign because he had sponsors and there's money there and it's it's all complicated. So it's easy if I just like I'm paying for this out of my pocket. You know, I have um, I do talk about the, the the campaign on the show, so I have it declared as as like political advertising, and I'm going through all the proper procedures through that. Mm-hmm. But it's it's all out of my own pocket and I'm not going to make any money off of it. And I'm going to take it with me onto the onto my administration, hopefully, and continue to use the platform. Like once I'm once I'm a city rep, people really start, you know, answering my emails and being like, yeah, I'll be on your podcast. Sure. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, and so once I have that platform, then I can really start 
drawing, uh, you know, more statewide candidates, drawing more attention into the countywide things, and 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 using that again to to help get people more engaged. Um, I'm 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 gonna pat myself on the back. I wasn't really sure what was gonna happen, but I'm kind of proud of the fact that like you know, especially with these statewide reps or these statewide candidates, you know, um, they don't they don't spend a lot of time in El Paso. They don't give us a whole lot of attention or anything because we're so far out to the west, and so. You know, having a podcast, having a platform, um, a space for them to engage with the city, they're willing to talk to us. You just have to kind of have someone willing to put in that work. And so, yeah, that's what I've been doing with the El Paso Beat. And uh, I hope people check it out. It's where you can find it pretty much wherever you stream your podcast. And, and uh, I'm always taking feedback, too. So, you know, you can let me know what you think or who I should talk to. And, and I'm always I'm always down to get that feedback, too. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so I'm, I'm upon doing research for this interview, I saw they had a very interesting hobby to kind of transition away from a lot of other things that we've talked about. And it's a hobby of collecting shot glasses and getting them signed by celebrities. Yes. So what started this hobby and. Okay. So, okay. Okay. So So the, the, the autographed shot glass thing. Okay. So there's two parts to it. There's my shot glass collection. I, I actually collect shot glass novelty and souvenir shot glasses I have since I was a child. Um, I, okay. So, you know, Hispanic family, family that drinks at parties and get togethers and things like that. And so when my, my cousins and I were young, um, we would do like shots of soda. Like we would even pour soda into the, into the three liter bottle caps and take (laughs) shots with the bottle caps so I'm at Walmart one day and, and I, I'm with my mom and we're walking through the party idol and there's a shot glass and it has like this little, and it has like a, a glow stick on the inside of the base of the shot glass and comes with a little saucer. You pop it in, the whole glass lights up and I see it and it's like $3 and I'm like, oh my God, and I'm like seven years old at the time. And I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. I'm going to get this and take shots of soda with my cousins and it's going to be so cool. And so I bought it and then I forgot it the next time I went to my cousins and then it stayed on my shelf and I never touched it again. Yeah. And I went out of town one day and I was like, Oh, look, a shot glass. And so I got that as a souvenir and I put it next to the, to the other one. And then that's how it started. I started collecting shot glasses whenever I went out of town and did stuff and, you know, band trips and yada, yada, yada. I've got like yeah. 300, 400 some odd shot glasses now on, a, on my wall. And I don't, I don't think I have a picture of that in the public. Um, but I can send that to you a little later. And so Fast forward to 2016, I've been shot, you know, collecting shot classes pretty much my whole life. I have a meet and greet ticket to meet Blink-182 uh, when they came to El Paso in 2016. Mm-hmm. So I'm driving to the concert and I'm passing, like as I'm driving, I pass this bar I used to go to. And the thought just strikes me. It's like, you know, if I got a shot glass autographed by Blink-182, that would be the coolest shot glass ever. Like that'd be the best shot glass in my collection. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to do it. So I turned around, I went to the bar and I, I went in and I was like, hey, I'll, I'll give you five bucks to make a, a shot glass disappear. And so the bartender like goes under the counter and pulls out a bunch of different shot glasses. And there's a basic, you know, whiskey shot glass. And, um, and so I took that one and, and that was it. I took it to get it signed. And uh, I, I was actually on my way to lunch with a friend before the concert. And so I tested it out. I had my Sharpie. I like 
drew a little bit on it and like wiped it off right away and it wiped off like instantly. So I was like, okay, so I drew on it kind of blue and then, you know, let it sit there during the lunch. And when I came back after, like I scrubbed at it and it was fine. So I was like, okay, like as long as you don't like screw with it, it'll be, it'll be fine. So I went to the concert and uh, and I got them to sign it and they all thought it was a cool idea. And, and they're like, are you going to drink out of it? I was like, no, I'm going to put this in a box in a safe and then like bury it. Like it's, this is my gem. And so, uh, yeah, I, you know, went to the concert, you know, had the, got, got it autographed and, and I thought that was it. And so a couple months after that, um, I, my fa- one of my favorite comedians, Christopher Titus was performing in Phoenix and I was like, oh, I can make that drive. I'm going to go see him. And he was performing at a bar. And I was there and I was like, oh, I'll get a shot glass signed. And, and so I, you know, got my picture with him and got a shot glass signed. Um, we have, I don't know if, you, if you've ever been, but we have the, the El Paso comic strip. Mm-hmm. And um, we get, you know, some decent names every once in a while. Uh, we had a couple of guys, um, Jay Chandra Cigar, who plays... Uh, Ramathorn in the Super Trooper movies. Right. I don't know if you're a fan of those. Oh, but uh, and then also um, we had Gilbert Gottfried, um, and his name is like oh Steve. Dang, Steve Kes- Steve Casada, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that's his name. He plays a uh, no Michael Casada. Michael Casada plays Steve Gomez on Breaking Bad. Oh, uh, he does. He does stand up. He's actually pretty funny. And uh, he came to El Paso. He came a couple of times. And so, you know, the first time he came, every time, you know, these guys would come, I would, you know, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to get a shot glass sign. And so I started building up this collection. And so eventually I have like a nice little handful. And then in 2018, I um, got tickets to go to a comic convention uh, in Dallas because between 2016 and 2018, I learned that these comic conventions have tons of celebrities who come through and then people can just like get whatever they want autographed, you know, if they pay, you know, they pay to get autographs at these things. And so uh, at this convention, Jason Momoa, Richard Dean Anderson, um, Christopher Lloyd, um, and oh, Felicia Day. And then there was a bunch of other people that I wanted, but I, I didn't actually get to. Um, they were all there. So I went and, and got my shot glasses and bought some shot glasses, got them signed. Everyone at this convention thought it was like the coolest thing on the planet. Like my ego was super inflated. And I was like, yeah, this is it. I'm going to keep doing this. And so um, in 2019, I started like really getting into it. I started going to comic conventions more and more specifically to uh, get autographs. And um, let's see. Yeah, tw- yeah, 2019, I started getting really into it, but it's expensive. Yeah. You know, you're paying per autograph, you're doing a lot of traveling. Uh, and so I was like, okay, I need to, I need to get American and make money off of this. So I, uh, I started a small business called Autograph Fetcher, and it was one-man show. I, it's real simple. You, I make the pretty flyers, or actually I had the flyers made, and uh, you tell me who you want, whoever you want, autographing you send me your stuff whatever it is that you're getting autographed you pay me a nominal fee on top of what they're charging to autograph your item i take it with me i get it signed i bring it back ship it to you and there you go it's a middleman service that's nothing really to it but 
like I'd never heard of anything like this before. I'd never seen anyone doing anything like this in El Paso. And I thought, well, there's no one else in this space. That means I can just do it however I want. And like, you know, I'm good to go. So uh, I really pushed to market myself as like El Paso's autograph consignment person, mm-hmm. you know, big first thing. And um, that started, that started going well. Like I was doing, getting in enough orders that um, I could go to, to, well, I, at my peak, I was going to, on average, at least one comic convention per month. And I was traveling to Denver, Chicago, Dallas, Houston, Austin, San Antonio. It was, it was a lot. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, and I was getting like a good amount of orders and then 2020 hits and mm-hmm. there's no comic conventions, you know, no group, no group gatherings and things like that. So I was still super into the collecting. I had plans to keep collecting through 2020 and I started getting into uh, what's called TTM, which is through the mail autograph collecting. And, you know, autograph collecting has been a huge hobby forever. Like people have collected autographs forever. No one that I know of, and I've looked and I've, and I've asked for people to come forward. No one has an autograph collection quite like mine. Um, But people have been collecting autographs for, for a good minute. And so, you know, it, it was, it, there was a time where you would just like, if you could get a celebrity's address, you'd just send them a letter and ask for an autograph. And like a lot of them will do it. Um, and that's how I did. That's how I got a lot of autographs from, from 2020. Um, some of the names like uh, Alex Trebek, who was a notorious um, autograph signer, like within the community. Mm-hmm. Um, he, if you sent something to the set of, sep- to the set of Jeopardy, he autographed it. Like he, he would sit there and autograph for hours and like, just like autograph and autograph and autograph. And during 2020, there was actually like a huge surge in, in through the auto, through the mail autograph collecting. Like there were a lot of groups that I was participating in that were like getting frustrated because celebrities started saying, I'm not doing it anymore because I got, I got overwhelmed with it. But to, to the, to the very end, Alex Trebek was like signing, signing away on, on autographs. Um, Another one I got, another Breaking Bad person was Jonathan Banks. He plays uh, uh, Mike Ermintrout. I don't know if you're. Yeah, I, I love. Oh Breaking yeah, so he Mike Mike Ermintrout. Um, I got I got him to sign uh, through through the mail, and, um, and that one's cool. He's got he he drew a little smiley face on the bottom of the of the shot glass. And oh, so that's I, cool. I, I thought that was cool. Um, yeah, and then the other the other thing that I was doing through that I kind of started doing through the, through the pandemic because of the pandemic was cameo. And, and I'm proud of this because within, again, within the autograph community, like I was the first person to kind of think to do something like this. And, and it appears that people have started copying or like following suit, but you know, um, so if you're not familiar, cameo is a pro an app service where you can hire essentially a celebrity to make a short video for you 15 30 second long video you get maybe 140 characters to say exactly what you want them to say in the video they're meant for like happy birthdays and like good lucks and congratulations things like that um the way my mind saw it was i'm paying x amount of dollars because you do have to pay for them uh i'm paying x amount of dollars to get my message in front of this celebrity and then in return, they give me a video, but my message can say whatever I want. So the first, who's the first? Oh, is a uh, Jay Taylor, who is an actress who plays uh, Katie, a character on the show, The Magicians, which is a show that I really, really love. 
And um, I think I think she was doing like six forty dollars or sixty dollars for her cameo, but hers were for 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 charity. And I was like, okay, good experiment. You know, if it if it goes badly, the money's going to charity. I like her. It's fine. Like I'll test it. And so I, you know, wrote in the message that was like, I don't don't want an auto, no autograph. Um, no, I'm sorry, no cameo, no video. Would like your autograph on shot glass. Please email me. And then I gave her my email address. Mm. And then um she made she made the cameo because they have to make the cameo in order to accept the money. Mm-hmm. Like I guess the on their end, it automatically re- like forces them to record the video. So uh she accepts the video, says, like, you know, I know you didn't want the video. I just wanted to say thank you. I'm gonna have someone get in contact with you to get your autograph. Spoiler alert, she didn't she didn't have anyone get in contact with me to get the autograph. Oh, <laughs> man, I got all hives. I was like, the anticipation. But that was that that response had was enough for me to think it worked. Like the fact that I wrote the message. You know, she read the message and like, you know, it's it's her like I'm getting directly to her. So I started like making this list of all these different people who I want to get, you know, autographs from. And, you know, there were a couple of big names and and I, you know, I was brainstorming different ways to get the message fully across to them. So for one, um, for uh, Dean Norris, who plays Hank from Breaking yeah. Bad, um, I made a YouTube video. I made a YouTube video ex- like going through the whole like hey my name is richard hanetta i collect autographs on shot glasses i show him the collection i even have like the collection turn on with the uh i have a alexa hooked up with leds oh, wow. hooked up. oh yeah like i've got this whole thing decked out now um and so like i have it turn on for him and and uh, i'm like i would like your autograph for the for the shot for the collection i'll send you the shot glass i'll send you the marker the prepaid return label just sign it send it back you know, provide an address in it back, you know, blah, blah, blah. You can contact me here, 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 and here. And thank you very much. And that was it. And I put the link for the YouTube video in the message. And so if you watch his cameo and you can go to my profile and, and, and I edit it so that he doesn't say his address on the video, but you can watch the rest of the cameo. You know, he says, uh, I, I got your YouTube open. And when I, when he says that, I assume what he means is that it doesn't hyperlink in the text box so he had to like either copy it or you know figure it out and so he he finally gets it open and he watches the video and and you know he responds to it and so yeah um i think that was another early one um uh, i think he was the first one who like agreed to it and and got it back to me like relatively quickly and um and then yeah through cameo there's tony hawk i got tony hawk that's um, cool. He came through. Yeah, that one, that one was really cool. I think he was, I actually, he might've been one of the really early ones. Um, Lindsay Lowen took my money and did not like send me an address or have someone get in contact with me. And then after like all that, um, Cameo implemented a thing where you could like send text messages to them um, mm-hmm. also for fees. And so I started actually doing my request that way because it was way cheaper. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and so like, I, you know, sent her a message. I was like, Hey, like still looking for that, you know, confirmation that I can send you this, this thing. And she's like, Oh yeah, yeah, I'll get to you. So I paid for the text message and then she didn't get back to me for that one either. And so, <laughs> so Lindsay Lowen took my money, but did not give me an autograph. Was that your worst experience with, with all of this? Um, I I guess I I don't fault Miss Lowen for for it. Um, the way I saw it with the cameos, 
was gambling. Mm. You know, I, I, I am kind of a gambler, you know, like if I go to Vegas, I like to play a little bit, um, you know, and with these, I was like, okay, I have to understand that these are people and they have their own lives and they have their own things. And when they came to this app, they came with the expectation that I'm just going to sit in front of my camera and say some stuff into a camera and then get my money. And then some jackass like wants me to autograph something for him and give me his, give him my address. And I'm not going to give this weirdo my address. It's like, I went in like fully aware that I was going to be throwing money, you know, risking it. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't, I don't, I like telling that story, but I don't like, I don't, despise Lindsay Lohan for, for not for not giving in the autograph um I have had people I had one and I won't throw their name under the bus because I'm not like I don't know how sensitive it is like I had I one know, person who um didn't want to sign because they were recovering alcoholic and like they're like I I'm just not comfortable like it's a trigger mm -hmm. thing I'm like hey more than enough reason like I'm not you know I'm not an asshole like I'm not gonna like grief yeah, yeah. for that kind of thing um, for the most part, I get a lot of genuine shock and delight. You know, if you're the people that I get autographs from, people get autographs from. So they sign autographs regularly. And so they get to they get to the shock class. And um, well, OK, I, I can't tell some some things, but, um, you know, they're, they're generally surprised because like, you know, they'll sign a bunch of different things, posters a lot of the time or figures or whatever. But no one like gets shot classes mm -hmm. signed and um you know there it's it's not an easy process either you know especially because you know some people have like really really big fancy signatures and you know driving uh, or drawing them on the on the curve isn't isn't the easiest is isn't the easiest feat um and and some of them will make that known like they're one of my early ones richard dean anderson and who's who's an actor i love man man i really admire his work um stargate mostly but um he he signs it or whatever he goes real slow he like writes his name in print and he writes it all the way around the whole shot glass and then he, like he finishes and then he hands it to me he says never make me do that again <laughs> i'm like yes sir ne never again um there's another one An oh anthony daniels who plays c-3po in all the stars he's played c-3po in every star wars movie um I felt I I legit felt bad about this one because like the his handler or whatever she saw it and she was like oh I don't know if he's gonna do that and I was like why he's like well he's got arthritis and I was like oh and I was like okay I understand and then she was like like we'll ask but like no promises I was like okay and so like you know I you know I get to him or whatever and then he I was like early I was early early in the day and uh, I was one of the first few people and he, he looks at it and he's like, he looks at me and he gives me this look like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, okay. And then he does it, you know, he autographs it. And then he, you know, that's kind of cool. And I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> so um, awesome. yeah, that's, that's probably been like the worst of it. I get some like, Oh, you're inconveniencing me. Like this, why can't your autograph just be the two second interaction? Like every other autograph, but like, that's so few, um, compared to the to the so many that i've met most people are actually really intrigued by it and uh and really into it what about um two names in particular that stood out to me were okay. lin-manuel Lin miranda and jason momoa okay one so, because well both of them because they're they're like epic people <laughs> and two and and, and lin-manuel because he's just a badass latino dude 
right? for sure. And and Jason Momoa, because I mean, he's freaking Aquaman. I mean, <laughs> yes, and he's he's just he's just a badass in general too. So I, I've, I've got him. a good story for the Jason Momoa one. Um, so the Lin Manuel, the, that one I am legitimately somewhat nervous on. So that one comes down. That one came in 2020. That was with the uh, through the mail autographs, and the thing about through the mail autograph, um, anyone who's new to it is going to have the same question. How do you know it's legitimate? Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, well, the community has been around for a long, long time. And, um, there are like, you know, real serious autograph, you know, collectors who are authenticators who like, you know, keep an eye on these subs and like, you know, it's, it's kind of like a community, um, community policing, I -hmm. guess. Mm -hmm. And, uh, there are addresses that are just known to like, Oh no, that person uses a secretary. That person uses an auto pen. That person doesn't sign their autographs. That's just like a preprint or whatever. And like, you know, people, this, this information circulates. So there was uh, for a long time, Lin-Manuel was using auto pen, which mm-hmm. is like a machine that signs automatically for you. Um, if you get multiples of the autograph, it looks the exact same every time, like every squiggle is the same. But, and this happened with a lot of people during 2020, especially around the time that the lockdowns kicked in, you know, people were home and someone tried to get his, someone asked for his autograph and they got back like a a different one. And they sent him a $10 bill for Hamilton and uh, got his autograph on it. And it was like different than the auto pen. And they're like, look, is this this legit? And like, there were people who like, whenever you ask, is this legit? People will show up, will post pictures of theirs, their autographs. And mostly if you're showing yours, there's a level of like, I'm showing mine because I'm confident it's legitimate. And most people get their autographs and will show the ones they get in person. And that one came up like, yeah, that, that, that one's legit. That one passed. So instantly people are like, oh, let's, let's try and send. So I sent to him, um, he used the marker that I sent, like the color, cause I started using paint pens. And so the pen, the color matches like the color that I sent. Um, but he took a long time for, to get mine back. And during that time, it started coming up that like, it's possible that he was getting help. He had a brother or someone who was like, tweeting for them tweeting for him at one point mm-hmm. um who tweeted a picture of like all the fan mail and um there is like someone saying oh it's ghost written it's ghost the the autographs are all ghost signed like it's not actually him and so that one i'm some like when i posted it people said it was good and so that was good enough for me but deep 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 down i'm like okay there is a tiny chance that lin manuel's is not a legitimate one and i'm and i feel that way about lin manuel and tim allen my i have a i don't want to sound like pretentious or anything but i have a feeling that my autograph from uh tim allen kicked off the whole like his uh autograph started being ghost written mm. uh because he used to be legit the most reliable and then right around the pandemic he stopped signing and it it became clear that he was ghost that it was someone else signing for him um on my shot class he signed his full name or whoever signed if if it was him he signed his full name he doesn't do that anymore for most of the autographs now that because so many people send to him he just like does like this ta kind of squiggle 
but on on the glass like he did the full name and so when i posted that i was like did he just like really like the shot glass like is that what it was and some people were like yeah like you know that's what it you know it he doesn't sign his full name like you you did you sent him something he really liked or something and other people were like no that doesn't quite look like his signature though like that's not exactly right and i was i wrote it off as like well it's on a glass it's on a curve it doesn't count you know <laughs> and so um but when i heard that i was like okay like maybe it's not legit and then shortly after that um there it was all this debate about whether or not his was legit but anyway uh that that's that's why Lin Manuel. I'm like you know I I enjoy it. I I love that I have it. Um, and there's hope that it's real. But I'm not like a hundred percent certain on that one. Real Jason Momoa is a hundred percent real. And that one that one was really early on in my in my collection. Um, that was that first comic trip. That first Comic Con trip. And um, so like I said, there were a bunch of people that I wanted to get autographs from on this trip, but I was only able to go to the convention for a day and I didn't realize just how long these lines were going to be. And so I, you know, I get there, you know, I got a picture with Jason Momoa too. And uh, you know, I, so I got there early and I got my picture and then I went to the autograph and they're like, Oh, you know, we're giving out tickets. So I got a ticket and they were like, come back at this time. And I was like, okay. So I left and walked around or whatever, came back. And this is like, I came back to that line two or three hours before I was going to leave, which was the time that they said. So I figured, okay, this might be like the last thing I do. Um, and they were nowhere near my number when uh, I got there. And I was like, oh my God, like I, like I planned this trip for Jason Momoa's autograph. Like I need to leave this place with this autograph. So I, you know, go up to the guy who's like handling the line or whatever. And I say, hey, can I give my item an autograph ticket to one of the people in the VIP line to get my item signed for me and then just like wait for them and then like, you know, get my item from them afterwards. And he was like, yeah, I guess. And I was like, cool. So I went to the VIP line. And I walked up to the first person at the end of the VIP line. And I was like, excuse me, my name is Richard. I drove here from El Paso, which is about nine hours away. And I made this trip because I really want this autograph from Jason Momoa on this shot glass. And I have to leave here in a couple of hours and I'm not going to make it to get his autograph. Like if I wait in line with my ticket, so can I give you my autograph ticket and my shot glass and you get it signed for me and I'll even throw you 20 bucks for your trouble. And like, just I'll stand over there and then you give it to me after you meet him. And like, it was a man and his wife and, and they kind of look at each other and they look at me and they're like, well, just stay there and then tell if anyone asks, just tell them that you're with us. And I was like, okay. So I stood there with them in line and, uh, and like all the, you know, the VIP lines started moving along. And then like five minutes later, I was in front of Jason Momoa getting my, my shot glass wow. autographed. That's amazing. <laughs> and, uh, and he, he liked it. He thought he, he kind of like gave me a, a, a grin and a, a nod and was like, Oh, that's really cool. And gave it a sign. Nice, nice, good signature. And, um, and yeah, and I, and, and I have my, yeah, I got my photo and my autograph with Jason Momoa. That was a, that was a good trip. That's funny. That's awesome. That's really- <laughs> Thank you. Oh, man. Well, Richard, it was a pleasure talking with you today, man. And It was uh, a pleasure being here. Thank you so much for having me, Anthony. I, I really it. appreciate it. And I'm, again, kudos to everything that you're doing. And it's, it's very inspiring. And uh, I wish you nothing but the best with your campaign. And so um, is there any way or anything you want to give a shout out to or um, maybe plug your campaign and your podcast? 
Yes, absolutely. I appreciate that. And again, thank you so much for having for agreeing to have me on. We're gonna have you on the El Paso beat very soon. Um, and and uh, I don't know. I have some ideas about about the things that we can talk about and, and the things that we were talking about previously when we first first um, started talking about crossing over. That is all playing out the the way that I thought it would, and yeah. especially with the Virginia election and and some Texas state laws. So we have a lot to talk about on the El Paso beat. Um, if you know, your listeners want to check out the El Paso Bean. If you're in the El Paso area, you care about El Paso um, politics and, and issues um, or just artists and you want to like just pick and choose those episodes to, you know, the pop culture stuff. You can find the El Paso Beat wherever you stream your podcasts. I have pages on all the social medias, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, Nextdoor. I'm everywhere. Um, yeah, but I, I try to reach out and looking for people because I figured this is as community t- um a community focused podcast. And so like, you know, for next door, especially those people are all, are all focused on their community. And so I figured I'd, I'd try and get people through there. I'm not very good at posting on all of these pages, but wherever you're most active, follow the show there and you will see stuff come up for the show. Um, and, and I stream on Pandora, uh, Pandora, well, Pandora too, but Spotify, Google podcasts, Apple podcasts, all that good stuff. If you're interested in supporting the campaign, uh, I would urge you to go to Haneda for district com, And my campaign is also on, on the social medias on the big ones on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And I would appreciate follows likes and shares on all of those as well. All right. Fantastic. Well, again, thanks so much, Richard. I really appreciate it. And um, until next time, everyone have a great one. Thank you so much, Richard, for being a guest on this week's Academic Sound Amigos. Be sure to follow Richard on all his social media accounts, including to find out what he is currently going on with his campaign. For more on Academic Sound Amigos, be sure to follow us and check out our new website at www.academicsoundamigos.com. There you can check out past episodes and current episodes as well. And be sure to follow us on all our social media platforms. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. This episode was hosted, produced by Anthony Ramirez. Until next time, my friends, hasta luego, be cool, and stay awesome.